Welcome to part two of the podcast with Eleanor. We are so thankful that you guys listened to part one. We're going to pick up right where we left off and just continue our conversation as we talk about relationships, as we talk about constructing your career, as we talk about mentoring. Um, if there's anything we can do for you in the future, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. Eleanor, I think what you're talking about with the, the mindset thing, it makes us go back or it makes me go back and think about Tom Stevenson Walker. We just had a guy on from Canada and was talking about Carol Dweck and how she talked about the growth mindset yep. instead of a fixed mindset. And just to have that in construction, to have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset, that's part of, I think, that 1% of I'm trying to get a little bit better every day. And um I can think back to a time in my own life, personally, in construction, whatever it may be, where I had a very fixed mindset of, I don't know how to do this. I, I can't do it. Uh, you know, there's never an option, right? And then you start to change. It's not, what does what Rich Dad Porta say, Walker? It's not, can I afford it? It's how can I afford how it? How can you I? Just, yep. You swap the mindset to start thinking about it. And then you say, okay, well, let's just start dividing a list up and let's start doing this. Well, if you start to do that over time, that really develops into a, a, one of those mindsets that helps you uh, exponentially grow in your career. So I say all that because mindset's huge. Uh, I think you're right. A lot of people just say, you know, go out, get out there and work hard and you'll figure it out. But if you don't have the right mindset, you could, I mean, you'll just be stopped at the door every time you walk in. So kind of shifting, you talked about the mentoring part. I really like that. That's something that um, I like to be, not to be thought of, but what I like to do is try to teach people and whatever I know, I want to help other people come with me. So if there's anything that I know that they don't, I want to try to teach them. What's your favorite part about mentoring people? It's the feedback loop that you get when people have transformed. There's, it's very hard to put into word the, you get recognition and people will say, it's you. We, I'm just a guide. You can only bring out in someone what they already have within them. And when they attest you know, their success or they come back and say, because of you, it's so fulfilling that someone has been able to break free of a level of limitation because you are able to guide them. And it is incredibly rewarding to get that feedback loop and to be able to hold up the mirror to someone else and show them the possibility, show them what they could be. But then, of course, give them the pathway to actually get there. And now that I've been mentoring for two to three years, I get to see the long term, the more compounding effect of some people. So, you know, there's one client, absolute young gun in my community, Brian. And I remember the first conversation, I, I knew that he was a powerhouse. He has so much ambition, but because of societal requirements, he was trying to shrink himself into, into the box. And he's done two levels of programs with me. And today, from where he started, he's now an absolute entrepreneur. He's left corporate because he couldn't find his way there. He did try. And he's now working in business. He's dabbling in different ventures, pursuing what he wants, looking after his mind, his body, his soul. Since he started mentoring, he's made really good decisions for himself. Now, would he have done that over the long term? Possibly. But this is only within two years. He has completely decided to live life on his own terms. And I met him for the first time in real life on uh, during my book launch, which was in Sydney. And to see how he is in full expression of himself, how he decides to make decisions based on where he wants to go, what he wants to do, 
and he explores his curiosity. He's gone all into the entrepreneurial field. It excites him. It scares him at the same time. To think that you seeded those ideas or because of what I did, it was able to seed that sort of growth and that sort of trajectory. And it's only been two years. What he'll do in five years with that level of ambition and hunger, everyone, quite frankly, watch out. But Brian had that in him. I didn't seed ambition within within him. I didn't seed hunger within him. And he's also an exemplar. He does the work, right? And there's many others like that. I have another client, uh, Daisy, who's absolutely taken massive risks for herself and she's early 20s. She's, again, another exemption of the rule. And you start seeing the feedback loop. You start seeing the compounding effect of the distance they've created, not just between them and everyone else, but between them and who they used to be. And mentoring is the only vehicle which allows you to bypass the time. Because, sure, you might be able to figure it all out, but it could take 10 years. Where could you be in 10 yep. years if you hadn't wanted to say, you know what, I am I have a massive eager and I'm going to figure this all out myself. Yeah, no, and you bring up a great point. You know, one thing just kind of keeps on floating around in my head is, is relationships, you know, and, and it's a big thing that Davis and I always bring up uh, is that life is about relationships and it's about building them on a daily. So talk about a little bit, you know, how big a relationships one in life, but especially in, in construction uh, and networking with people that you can continue to grow with over time and help grow each other. Because that's really what you've been talking about during a lot of this podcast without even just saying it. It's just having those people in your life that you can one influence that you can mentor, but also those above you that can help mentor you. And it's kind of a, a trickle down effect, right? You know, so go in, go in a little bit about that and, and how, how did those define your future a little bit and, and how do uh, you network as a young gun in, in, in construction or in college uh, or even in high school coming up out of it who wants to get a relationship to help them, you know, get a job in the future or, or something to do with uh, building a relationship with a professor in a school to where you can, uh, you know, learn a little bit more than you would. Because Davis and I both have, have great relationships with our professors uh, in building science at Auburn, and that's been incredibly beneficial uh, and impactful to where we are today as laying foundations in general. Oh, that's right. I mean, you look at a construction project, anything you want to build from a pergola, okay, maybe not a pergola, but a house to <laughs> a skyscraper, you can do it. One person can kind of there do a pergola. <laughs> so nothing happens in isolation. We need the concreters. We need the authorities, right? There's a myriad of stakeholders. It can't happen with one person. But people then apply this to their own career and they say, no, I don't need anyone. My head is full. I can figure this all out by myself. Mm -hmm. I do not need to seek the experiences and expertise of anyone else. But then you go through this again. Well, actually, people do. If they want to get a haircut, they go to a hairdresser. They have an ailment, they go for a doctor. They outsource yep. everything except the one thing which they do not seek. And this is the masses, most people, right? that they do not seek any sort of advice, direction on is their careers. Mm. A quote that my mentor, Ron Malhotra, shares frequently, and it stuck with me. If executives ran a company like professionals ran their career, they would be fired within a day. 
which is so true. They don't seek expertise. They do not seek any further growth. They do not seek new yeah. knowledge. They do not seek wisdom. They have their technical skill set that they learned from 10 years ago, and that's it. So how people actually build buildings versus how they construct their career, their polars, they could not be further apart. But you're correct. Nothing happens in a silo. And one cannot have an ego to say, I will do everything by myself. I will figure it out. Everything that I deserve should come to me for free. It doesn't happen that way. I have my board of advisors. I do not think for a second that I am going to fool myself into thinking I can do this alone, figuring out alone. I don't have that much time. Mm. It's I, I cannot waste time, you know, trying to grope around in the dark thinking, should I do this? Should I do this? Absolutely not. And I wrote about relationship and relationship equity, especially as a leader, because and even in constructing your career, they're equally important themes that come through and actually Young Gun as well. But N was not for networking because I already wrote about it. But <laughs> we have to think of relationship building as a seed, right? So when you go deposit money in your bank, you don't you make a deposit and you don't go the next day going, right, can I make a withdrawal? There's no compounding. You haven't actually allowed it to grow. But you have to make deposits in your bank because something might happen and you may need to make a withdrawal. But if you are not frequently making deposits, there's going to be nothing to withdraw. It's the same as relationships. I can't go up to someone one day and say, I want you to do this for me. I'm sorry. Have we had a value exchange? Have we have we even met? Right. Do I know you? Have have we in some way, shape or form, maybe not added value directly, but indirectly, that allows me to say that we can have an exchange here? Because relationships are all about energy exchanges in one way, shape or form. Time, money, resources, which again comes down to time and money. Now, I am talking about this in an economical sense where there is an expectation of, of value exchange, right? But even if, you know, what you're doing here, you are you're giving, you're exchanging energy and that gets paid forward through people who, you know, will hopefully make better decisions for themselves. This is something that has to become a con- in the conscious awareness of an individual. It doesn't happen organically. It doesn't happen through mere exposure effect, meaning I work at a building or I work within this level on my company or I work on this project. Then by sheer default, my relationships are going to be seeded, to be founded. It doesn't happen in an organic way. It needs to happen in a conscious way, in a strategic way, but also knowing that you can seed so many relationships, there may not be an outcome there. And this is where people also go wrong when it comes to networking is they immediately want something in return. Sure, there will be a time when you will make that withdrawal, but there will be many relationships where you don't withdraw or where they come to you and you're not in a position to help them. As you can see, it's quite nuanced and it's complicated, but it doesn't happen through sheer exposure or going to work. That's not how it happens. And people do need to make dedicated time and effort to be in the circles that they want to be in. And what I experienced, well, I can't find the circle I want to be in. I'm going to create it myself. That's good. And if you think about Zig Ziglar's quote, he said, you will get all you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. And he didn't say... Uh, he didn't use a different term. He used help. That means you actually care. You're actually wanting to help that person. And that's what that made me think of with the relationship side. It's as you grow as an entrepreneur in your career or in a different stage of life, 
relationships, just like it is with a friend. To, to be to have a friend, you got to be a friend. To, to have a great relationship, guess what? You got to be a great relationship back in anything in life. If I'm fed up with someone on my project team or a subcontractor and I never talk to them, but I'm asking them to do all these things for me, you know, what do you think is going to happen there? You don't have a great relationship and you think that that person is just all of a sudden going to want to help you build. Uh, he might have to if their job depends on it, but you're not helping yourself there. You're not building a case for really to work together alongside each other. And then just really quickly, uh, at the very beginning, I just start, you start to talk about, um, you know, their head's full and they act like they, they knew it all. I mean, if I'm just going to be completely honest, and I know I've talked about it many times in the pocket, I will as long as I have to. But, man, I, I showed up in school thinking that I knew it all. I'll have to figure it out. And, you know, I did all right. I mean, made good grades, but I started to see how I was pushing my friend groups aside and really focusing on what I wanted to do when all I had to do was just sit there to the guy next to me and say, hey, how do you do this? Like, just be humble enough to say, how, how do I get how do I get across this? And thankfully, I have an aunt that, that loves me to death, and she's helped me, like, completely humbled me, and that's been a, my, a long process. But, you know, you just think about that. Like, to anyone that's listening, listen to Eleanor, listen to Walker and I. We're just trying to help you in your career by saying, you don't know it all, you never will, and it's going to be so much better if you're worth building a team instead of just yourself. Does that make sense? Definitely, definitely. And you know, for someone to falter at the first sign of having to stretch themselves, I'm not talking just financially, mentally, emotionally, in order to construct their career, if they falter at the first sign, it's cowardly. It is actually cowardly behavior. We live in a time and space where there is more insight available than ever before, more resources available than ever ever before, Mm. more than anything we've ever had available in the entire combined history of humanity and you still have people who will not lift a single finger they want you to come and place everything ready made for themselves it's both you know good in a way where it just creates more and more opportunity for those who are hungry for those who have ambition but also it's failing you know the individual is at the end of the day failing themselves and that is a sad point for humanity that there are people who have that much fear and that much deep sense of entitlement that they want the world to give everything to them but they do not even show the world that they want anything or they were willing to do anything for it i know i thought about that i've been thinking about that this weekend like it might be in a different sense but i think about that like how in our society today, can I be ungrateful for what I have? Like, just think about that enough. Like all the things that I have right now, like just where I, like, I'm no millionaire. I'm nobody that's wealthy at all, but man, I am so blessed. I am so thankful that, man, I got electricity. I can go take a shower. I can use the bathroom whenever I want. Mm -hmm. I have a refrigerator that keeps my food cold. It's like I warm something up. I can cook whenever I want. Like I have running water that's clean on our worst day in America or in Australia or any first world country, we have it so much better than most people. Even even more than this, I live in a place where I can have a conversation with Eleanor in Australia. I get to learn from her. Like that's another opportunity to be thankful for. And you just think about if you just that goes back to the mindset of the growth mindset. But if you're just thankful for the things that you have in your life it, and you have that ambition like Eleanor's talking about, 
man, you can really set your career up for something very something special. So kind of as we shift again, uh, I can start rambling about literally nothing. So I'll try to be quiet here. But as we kind of are winding down, I don't want to get to our last question yet. But, you know, you talked about these resources that you made. You know, you've written books, you've read several books, you have a podcast. What's your favorite thing that you do on a daily basis? Good question. I haven't been asked that before. If I had look, mentoring, right? I every time I'm sitting there, I'm mentoring. You're creating those paradigm shifts. I don't mentor every day, of course. Classes are scheduled, but I love that. Or I give, and you know, my business partner knows. Give us any opportunity to come on to speak to, you know, create these experiences. We love that. Mm-hmm. Second to that, I love writing. And whether that's a book, and I'm not writing another book now, I have to, I have to hold. But I love journaling because the sheer fact of connecting with your inner world, of identifying what's happening in here, of putting down that pen to paper, of creating that stillness in your day amidst the chaos that is business. I have, I know, I got to where I am because of my journals, because of the journaling practice and when I stop through whatever reason I never feel good so that's something that I have to feed back into myself and I make sure that I don't go maximum one week without sitting there with my thoughts because thoughts don't come fully formed as my mentor Ron Mahotra says and it takes time to figure it out and through journaling I've learned how to sit in the discomfort to sit in the friction and to not need to come to a conclusion straight away. Mm. And I encourage this practice to anyone who wants to seek resolution and to right. seek higher levels of awareness about themselves. Right. I love that. And Walker, I'm, I know I keep talking for you. I'm sorry. No, go for it, dude. I love it. You know, I started out, you know, taking notes and that turned into journaling. That turned into, you know, for me, it's my quiet time, but also in any matter, whenever I start to actually write something, it's weird how, I don't know, it gives me a clear space to kind of just, you know, I kind of got that out of my head. I put it down on pen. Uh, I put it pen to paper there. I locked in, but man, I feel invigorated and fresh. It's a, it's a weird thing about it that you're getting your thoughts out. I, mean, I can go back to and look at it later, but just having that log of looking, okay, the past week I've been writing every single day and my attitude's been better. Wow. I wonder why that is. Well, I'm just having some time to reflect and think about my day. And um, if you really think about I talked about this before, Walker, is sitting in your thoughts. It can be a dangerous world for some people. For sitting in your thoughts, people might just be so busy that they don't ever want to do that. And there might be reasons. And, you know, I'm not a counselor. It's easy not to. Right. I I can't really, like, talk about that, for instance. But if you ever take time to just be still and journal and sit in your thoughts, um, it's going to help you in another another way to help you expand your career. So, Walker, what are you going to say? I'm sorry. No, yeah. You got it covered. I'm good. <laughs> Eleanor, where do you see uh, your company going? You know, what is your ultimate goal for the future in the next five, 10 years? And, and what do you wish to accomplish with it? The number one mentoring and coaching company within the construction industry that solely focuses on you. I've never wanted to be anything technical and I never have. I mean, the irony, right? The construction coach, and I don't talk about anything technically construction related not management not processes not concrete not steel everything to do with the individual again from the inside out 
it's a utopian vision to have where you know what is the industry what is an industry right an industry is the sum of its parts what are the parts in this case it's the people now imagine if everyone constructed themselves from the outside in they worked on their mindset they worked on their skill set they were living in alignment with their passion and purpose they sought wisdom they sought knowledge we would have no problems in the industry so that's a utopian version will that ever happen absolutely not Right. Right. Humanity has been doing the same thing for thousands of years that we know of. Right. So will we be able to get to everyone? No, but we don't need everyone. We only need the key people who want to change. And as long as I can reach them and they construct their career, they start living life on their own terms and they can say, you know what? I did it my way. Then that's where I want to get to. Yeah, that's cool. I think about we have, um, I don't. I guess it's not over the pond because you don't live in England. I don't know what the term is, but here in America, <laughs> we have a, a lady named Miss Jennifer Lacey, and she talked about how are we uh, an industry that's built on people that but put the people last. And you mentioned yeah. how you know I haven't been talking about technical stuff, been talking about the people. It, you're right. We're an industry that knows how to build things, but we spit and chew on people and just throw them away. And we don't treat them with value. So what if we change the script here? What if we start to show them that, um, you know, constructing your career is a lot of like building a project, but I'm going to work on myself so that maybe I can help someone else and I can help them with your, their career. Or I'm going to be that, that light for my company and allow people to let, use me as a resource. So Eleanor, as we wind down, we always ask these two questions. My question is, if you were talking to someone that was considering entering into the construction workforce, what are some qualities you think they should have? First, I'll ask them why. Because, you know, one thing, I think I mentioned this in our prequel, I don't advocate for the construction industry. You can make, you can give someone awareness of it, but you never do a sell because it's from the outside in, not from the inside out. But if they did want to succeed and they do know that their passion does lie within the industry, other than answering the question of why, what's your vision? Putting aside the conventional pathways, forget about the job titles. What do you want to do and who do you want to become in the industry? Because if you do not have that clear intention and if you do not hold on to that with conviction, the industry can and it will turn an individual into someone who at the end of the day, they are at the core not proud of. The industry can, in a suffocating way, turn someone into someone that they weren't meant to become. And that is extremely devastating for the individual and, of course, their expression of their self. Mm -hmm. If they do want to succeed, yes, the technical skills are important, but they make up 10%. For the first, at least, between year one to year five, you need to work on your mindset. Mm -hmm. When you work on your mindset, only then do you know what skill set you need. At year one, I didn't know that the skill set I would actually need is marketing, sales, client acquisition, communication, uh, thought leadership. Of course not. So I pursued the wrong skill set for a really long period of time because I didn't have the right mindset. So working on you, right, from a mindset and high impact, high income skill set perspective is always going to be key. And if you want to win at the game, you have to know the rules of the game. But if you're going to read an old scoreboard, you won't win at the game. Hmm. So this comes down to reading the cultural and political landscapes of the construction industry. And that's just the sound of it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's awesome. You know, you, yeah. you bring up a great point because Davis and I, again, we talked about this a couple of days ago. 
you know, you can live a life to where you go home and you get work, you go home, you sit down and you watch TV for the rest of the night and then you go to bed and do it all over again. Or you can live a life to where you go home and you start trying to invest in yourself, not selfishly, but you start trying to read and grow and network and talk with people and try to become 1% better every single day. And Eleanor, we, uh, we we truly appreciate the time that you've given us. Uh, and I know it's you're just starting your day, uh, but we hope that you have a great day <laughs> and uh, appreciate you. you coming on the show with us uh, and just getting to learn a little bit more about you. Thank you, Walker. And thank you, Davis. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If you need, if you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, it genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have... Uh, Walker, Walker Lots LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang Foundations. And then, you know, that's where we're at. These are all down in the in the show notes. But guys, we just want to put this out there and however you want to get in contact with us, we're 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 imploring you, please just reach out to us. We'll respond, we'll get back to you. And we want to hear from you. That that you're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values, and that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback. And we want to be be held accountable.